maybe you'll get an even nicer fridge now. I hope so. Living without <laughs> a fridge is not it's not the worst. Like I definitely prefer it over like an issue with like the toilet or something, but it's still just like annoying. <laughs> yeah. So well, hopefully it's gonna be like the main appliance in a while. Like it's not gonna start a chain. I mean, I mean, you know by now if, like, the oven wasn't working, so... Yeah, like, the oven's fine. Mean. The stove is fine. It's just the fridge. But also, like, moving into a new apartment, you just don't know. So, yeah. I mean, everything else has been fine, and I've been able to set up a lot of stuff, and it's just been a very busy, like, four days, five mm-hmm. days. How was moving over the weekend? Moving was, was fine. Um, the moving company I used was really nice and really helpful. They even like installed my air conditioners, which was really nice. Ooh, so that was nice. That was one less thing my friend and I had to do. Um, but it was fine. I mean, it was just hot because I moved last Thursday, so it was like 95 degrees. So and then it was raining. Yeah. Yep. So it was like how to stay of the week and then three days yeah, of rain. Um... I forgot either Friday or Saturday was when there was this like kind of crazy thunderstorm for a few hours. Yeah. So it's like, that good was- thing Sandra's taking a few days to move <laughs> instead of just this one day. Yeah. It would have been stressful, especially like working remotely. Like I'm working remotely tomorrow through Thursday and then I'm supposedly going into the office on Friday, but because our air conditioner in our building isn't working, like I might not be. So mm-hmm. I might be like, ready to get out of this apartment by like Wednesday (laughs) Mm. so but I'm sure it'll be it'll be fine I got the hard part done which was actually like moving and getting everything set up so now it's just like the fun part of organizing and buying stuff I feel like we might be getting into the oil of the week already (laughs) it seems like it might be that corner (laughs) but we should probably introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, probably. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 18 of Oi with the Terror Already. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra. I'm your other host, Danielle. And I realized I called this episode 17 when I emailed it to you. Oh, well, we're already on 18. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. And I was like, I thought we did 17, but... Last week's been such a blur, so it's like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if I miscounted. (laughs) So I guess we should do, do you want to do Oi of the Week first? Uh, sure. And Oi, my Oi of the Week, I guess, is kind of more of an annoyance I had with myself. (laughs) Um. Oh boy. So basically, I'm like kind of a indecisive person in most regards not everything some things I know right away what I want like I don't know I'm kind of picky or certain about some things but other things for some reason it's really hard for me to make a decision um so, so I was in a position a few days ago where I like had a few options for a decision I could make and it's like I don't know. For some reason, I was going back and forth, and I was like, what would be better? Because it doesn't, like, neither option really lines up perfectly with my schedule. So it's like, it was, and then I feel like I get, like, anxious and nervous because I'm like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. And I don't know why, but it's, like, so hard for me (laughs) sometimes. I overthink, and then I'm like, I realize... Like, the more this goes on, that I, I think it really does make me, like, anxious. So I feel like I'm getting better in a certain way with becoming more decisive. But then at the same time, I, like, realize it's, like, a struggle. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, like, something I noticed about myself and an annoyance I kind of created for myself. Can I ask what decision you had to make? <laughs> Um, I mean, it's been a few things. It was like, most of what I have going on right now was work related. And like thinking about I'm starting basically in about a week, a new job and thinking about like, that how that schedule will be different. I don't even have all the details at this point, like 
the hours, like the times, and then I don't know stuff like what's the dress code? Is it going back in every single day or is it a hybrid type situation? Like I'm thinking I'll probably hear this week about all those details. And then I'm like getting nervous about how I'm leaving my current position and stuff involved with that. So there's like been a lot to think about. And then basically it was like, um, do I want to, it's related to New Hampshire. It's like, do I want to go up to New Hampshire? Because <laughs> Dave, hashtag Dave the intern, really likes the 4th of July. Yeah, he does. He decided to take, take basically a week off just to celebrate in, uh, in New Hampshire at his lake house, his parents' lake house. And so my dilemma was, do I want to go up with his friends for a week and attempt to wrap up my last week of work, working remotely from there, or basically be here by myself for however long and wrap up my work from here alone? I'm like, usually I'm okay with being alone for a while, but I don't know if it's like because in my old age I'm getting soft, but I actually feel like... (laughs) I don't know why. It was like a struggle. Dave left yesterday and I'm like, wow, I actually feel like I don't want to be here alone. (laughs) So like, I definitely like having my alone time, but I feel like I actually, I don't know, maybe it happened during COVID quarantine, but I actually feel like I do enjoy being in other people's company more. So it was like a dilemma. Like, do I want to go up with Dave and hang out with his friends and but it's going to be so weird because, like, during the day, I wouldn't be able to really hang out on vacation. I'd be working or stay here by myself, basically. But then it kind of worked out because Leslie's going up on Wednesday. So she's just giving me a ride up there. So it's going to be a half and half. I'm doing, like, half the week here and then the rest of the work week up there. So it should be fine. So ended up working out. But I don't know. It's just, like... I was getting annoyed because I felt like there wasn't really a clean option for some reason. And then it made it harder to make a decision on what to do. But yeah, I don't know. Just like situations like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good thing if you like being in Dave's company because like he is your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Like you did pick him. But like I do like at the same time being having some alone time. But I think that is probably why I, like, kind of did get, like, oh, now I'm gone. Because we basically see each other all day, every day. Like, both of our jobs, we were able to work from home. So it was a lot of, like, went from a lot of seeing each other. And so it gets, like, a lot more intense when you're in that kind of situation. Yeah, I don't... So it's funny, because, like, I would go... Like, there'd be so many times before COVID, I'd drive to Connecticut for a weekend, and sometimes he comes with me, sometimes he doesn't, it's fine. But for some reason, it's, like, now post-COVID, it's, like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it's, like, a few hours if I don't see him, and it's, like, oh, no, what's happening? <laughs> or something. <laughs> but I feel like you're not, like, alone in that. I feel like a lot yeah. of couples who survived COVID... <laughs> You know, they survived living together, staying together. Yeah, it, it is like a test. Like it would be like a test in Hunger Games or something. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people are going through that where they like didn't see each other during the workday, pre-COVID, saw each other every day for 24 hours a day during COVID, got yeah. used to it. And now like it's like, oh, I'm starting to go back you to work. To, like adapt back to the societal norms. Yeah. It's like that skit from SNL. I think it was a few months ago where they had people trying to talk to each other at a party once things were kind of back to normal and like the conversations were so awkward because no one remembered how to talk to other humans yep so it was like the most awkward conversations and I'm like this is probably going to be very true I feel like it is we have to like remember how to communicate yeah yeah well it is awkward it's it's like what do I say? What do I do? What what should we talk about? What shouldn't we talk about? Yeah, so it's just yeah. weird. But well, that sounds like a very enlightening oi of the week. I know. I'm really like digging into my deeper self lately and doing a lot of introspection. Half joking. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the closer I get to being like in the 30s, the more that's happening. Like 
just getting hit with waves of this is the way I am, the way I am. And then I ran over to my journal. Well, at least you have like a healthy outlet. And at least you're like, yeah, this is just how I am. So it's not the worst thing. Yeah. I recommend it if you can't afford therapy. <laughs> to journal. Anyway. <laughs> Talk to yourself in a journal. I mean... I think every single female mostly has journaled at one point in their life. So. Yeah. It's an adult version of saying diary. <laughs> <laughs> or diary. Whatever whatever works for you. Journal, diary. Dear diary. Did you have... I had one that was like fuzzy and I had this... It came with like a set of keys. <laughs> and you would like lock the front of it. Like to prevent anyone from opening diary i had one that was like i'm sure it's still around but it was like a journal <laughs> passcode thing where you had to have like a code oh wow to get into it yeah yeah yeah. and it was fine until i forgot my code <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't let you reset it so i was just forever locked out of that journal <laughs> it was like i don't know just ha- like having a lock on your book is such a funny idea like this information is so important. If it gets in the wrong hands, like the world could end or something. I know. What do kids do today then? Do they just like Reddit? No, no. Yeah, that's true. Online? They must have a diary. I don't know. I feel like a digital version isn't the same. No. Being able to actually need a physical key to <laughs> unlock your diary. Those were the days. Um, yeah. All right. Let me think. Because I kind of already mentioned part of my OI of the week, which is my fridge not working, which will hopefully be working by Wednesday. Oh. But that's not my OI of the week. I think that just my OI of the week is the fact that I moved out of my old apartment on Thursday, but I didn't have to bring everything because the rules for Boston are weird. Like if you move out September 1st, you have to have everything out of your apartment by 12, the 31st of August, so the day before. So, like, I've been able to go back and, like, get things or throw things out. But that's also my OI of the week just because I've been back to my apartment, like, three times in the past, like, four days. And I'm just sick of going back and throwing things out and trying to figure out, like, what else I need. And I have to go back at some point this week. It's like sleeping in an ex-partner that you don't want to keep seeing, but you can't have to keep going back. So Carrie and I, my old roommate and I have had to, like, go back. Like, and we've missed each other every single time because we've gone Mm -hmm. at different times. But we've been texting each other, like hey, like, I think I finished up, but, like, can you just check to see if this is yours? Or she's like, hey, can you just, like, throw this out the next time you come by? And it's like, yeah, Mm. sure. So it's just weird. It's also just weird, like, going into an empty apartment. I was just going to say, how does it feel now having your own place to yourself? I like it. It's definitely weird. It's definitely, like, adapt. I'm going to have to balance being a hermit because (laughs) I could easily stay in this apartment and, like, not leave. So mm. like getting out, like I went out yesterday to see a friend and do like a Bed Bath & Beyond run. So I've been like trying to get out and today I was like, I'm just going to relax and yeah, because I'm going back to work tomorrow. So I'm just going to like, I just relaxed today and watch Netflix and had like a good, like kind of chill day. But it's definitely interesting being by yourself. Like the maintenance guy came by yesterday to look at my fridge and he was leaving and then he looked at me and he's like, now, don't forget to lock your door, miss, after I leave. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm pretty wow. sure you wouldn't say this to a guy. Like, he's, like, from the 1960s and he's just visiting. Like, people still say that. But he was, like, maybe 35. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's like, don't forget to lock your door. He's like, you should lock your door. And I'm like, I I, I will lock my door once you, you go through it. Wow. Yeah, that's, like, so. helpful but also a little threatening. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this building's pretty safe. Like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen many people. We all kind of keep to ourselves, but yeah, I've only been here four days. So, yeah. Is it a big building or a smaller one? It's like a good size. There's okay. probably like 15 units in the building. Oh, okay. So it's a good size building, but like, it's quiet. Not that small. Mm-hmm. I heard construction like next door this morning, but that's about it. But I'm just like, did you have a lot of fireworks? We got. All yeah, my neighbors are going crazy. Yeah, fireworks didn't stop until like twelve thirty this morning. Oh, 
it was like kind Poor of ridiculous dogs. i know and i know there's a dog in this building somewhere because i keep hearing like the leash like going in and out Aww. i'm like i want to figure out where that dog is i felt bad for it though because like the fireworks mm-hmm. last night were really loud mm. and they just kept and they've been going like on and off all weekend right they start like june 28th i honestly kind of forgot it was july 4th like yesterday i was like oh yes i don't know it just didn't seem very july 4thy to me i feel bad but... i feel like like if i knew you were by yourself i would have been like come over we'll like hang out well, I was, that was another option <laughs> going back to my dilemma of having options to decide one of them was like just being like oh sandra could come over here blah 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 but then i was thinking like well, you're working, so that might be difficult. And then I knew you were moving that weekend. So I was like, well, that's kind of another difficulty. So I was like, I, I'm not sure if that would work. But I was thinking that. So. I just assumed that you were like in New Hampshire with Dave. <laughs> no, I mean, I would if I knew I was about like. I didn't know how many meetings I would have. So just like being there, there is internet, so I could work. But if I jump on a meeting, there are like four or five other people there. I'm going to be like, guys, I have a meeting. You can pretend to not talk or I don't know. So it's just like imagining that situation. But it seems like I actually only do have one meeting on a Wednesday. So it could have maybe worked. But I just felt like it would be strange, like having to work during the day and then like, kind of have fun be on vacation at night and then like have to go back to- <laughs> so i don't know it just seems like kind of funny which friends are these of dave's um basically the the usual main, yeah usual crew yeah yeah i figured <laughs> yeah with them it might be hard for you to be like just like go outside like go right. away while i'm doing work and it's not that big of a house, so it's like, especially yeah. if the weather isn't good, everyone would probably be inside, and that really, oh, that was, yeah, that was another concern I had, and it actually seems like it's, it's not really raining a lot now, but it was yesterday, and it's supposed to thunderstorm maybe Wednesday, so I was like, oh, if everyone's gonna be inside, then basically there are like two rooms, people will go, yeah. Yeah, because, be yeah, the lake house isn't small. All right, so we just spent like almost 20 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> talking about life. Yes, life and moving and fourth, happy 4th of July, everybody. Oh, I have a patriotic kombucha. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're drinking? Yes, this is what I'm drinking. The GT Summer Edition. What are you drinking? <laughs> I got Panda Express for lunch, so I'm having... This is a small... How? I was just going to say, how <laughs> large? That's like the size of your face. It's a small. Yeah. It's going to last me like until like 9 o'clock Sandra's, tonight. Sandra's uh, holding up a, what I thought was like a Slurpee. It's a big red like soda takeaway. From Panda Express. Because <laughs> it's cheap and good. And yeah, that'll last me until like yeah. dinner time. <laughs> oh yeah, and Chinese food is like good without you needing to heat it up or anything too yeah but, so but how are you going to keep it like fresh without without the fridge oh i just got something that i could just have for lunch with no leftovers oh okay so yeah i just got there like a their i love their chow mein it's so good so i got their chow mein and that was my lunch and it was good mm. so anyway um uh, <laughs> so i guess this week you're going first Yes. Yay. Okay. So I have a different kind of story again. Oh boy. For this week. <laughs> it is, uh, I've already done an event in a, another episode. So this <laughs> is a, basically, it is another historical event, but it's a different type of tragedy that occurred. And it was one among factory workers. And it actually involves like labor laws and like child labor laws um no maybe maybe no that's not really the specific but yeah there probably were like young children working here but so it's a classic crime related story and it is about the triangle shirtwaist company factory and i knew about the story or 
I've heard about it before, but I didn't realize it was in New York. For some reason, I just pictured it somewhere in the Midwest. But it was actually in Manhattan. Okay. So, yeah, on March 25th, 1911, 146 people were killed when the factory burnt down. It is known as one of America's most infamous incidents in industrial history. The deaths could have been easily prevented... Most of the victims died from a lack of outdated safety measures and being unable to bypass locked doors throughout the factory during the fire. The fire brought much-needed attention to the dangerous conditions of sweatshops, and this led to the progression of laws and regulations which bettered the protections and safety of workers. The Triangle Factory was owned by Max Blanc and Isaac Harris, It was located on the top three floors of the Ash building. So it wasn't, it didn't own the entire building. It sounds like they just had the top three floors, like there were other (laughs) companies, I guess, in the other buildings. But for some reason, it didn't really mention the other, who occupied the other floors. And this building was on the corner of Green Street and Washington Place in Manhattan. The majority of workers at the factory were young immigrant women working in cramped spaces with lines of sewing machines. And I think I read that most of the workers were Italian and Jewish immigrants, which I found interesting. Uh, Most of the workers were teenage girls. They did not speak English and they worked, I wrote 12, but I don't know if that's, and worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. In 1911, there were four elevators with access to the factory floors, but only one was fully fully operational, and workers had to file down a long, narrow corridor in order to reach it. There were two stairways down to the street, but one was locked from the outside to prevent stealing. The other only opened inward. The fire escape was so narrow that it would have taken hours for all of the workers to use it, even in the best of circumstances. So that's a terrible idea. Some of the doors apparently were locked, which seems to have, like, that would cause a lot of issues. I think I've heard of this. Yeah, it's pretty well known. This case, this situation basically set the precedent for passing a lot of laws Mm -hmm. and stuff regarding safety and fire and factories. So it seems like this was like the big tragedy that kind of gave like set off the possibility of having more regulations. So that seems like the case for a lot of things where it's like a tragedy is kind of helps in a way with having to pass more laws. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's sad it happened, but then it actually is useful for future situations. Yeah, but... And if a year before the fire occurred, there was a strike where women were trying to get more rights as factory workers. Fires in factories like the Triangle Shirtwaist were well known at the time, but due mainly to corruption with the garment industry and city government, there were little to no precautions taken to prevent fires. Blank and Harris had a suspect history involving factory fires. The factory was damaged twice already in 1902, their Diamond Waste Company factory burned twice in 1907 and 1910. Apparently, Blanc and Harris intentionally torched their workspace before business hours so they could collect large fire insurance policies they purchased. Both Blanc and Harris refused to install sprinkler systems and to take other safety measures if they wanted to burn down their businesses again. Blank and Harris were also notorious for their anti-worker policies. They paid their employees $15 a week. As I mentioned earlier, there was a strike in 1909 led by the International Ladies Garment Workers Union where they demanded higher pay and shorter work hours. Thousands of workers were involved in the strike. They wanted a 20% pay increase and a 53-hour work week and safer working conditions. The strike ended in 1910, and workers went back to their work without reaching a union agreement. Blanc and Harris's company was one of the few manufacturers who resisted and instead hired police as thugs to imprison the women and paid off politicians to look in the other direction. 
There were 600 workers at the factory on March 25th on Saturday afternoon when the fire began in a rag bin. A manager tried using a fire hose to extinguish the fire, but this was unsuccessful because the hose rotted through and its valve was rusted shut. When the fire grew in size, panic ensued. Some workers tried getting out of the building using the elevator, but it could only hold 12 people at a time. The operator was able to make four trips back and forth before it broke down in the heat and flames. The situation was so bad that workers who were young girls waiting for the next elevator jumped to their deaths down the elevator shaft in a desperate attempt to escape the fire. Other girls who attempted to flee by running down the stairwells were met with locked doors at the bottom of the stairs and they burned alive. Workers on floors above the fire, including the owners, escaped to the roof and buildings nearby. When firefighters arrived, they found girls unable to make it to the elevators and stairwells who resorted to jumping from the windows to escape the fire. These girls landed on the fire hoses, which delayed the firefighters from starting to set the fire out. In addition, another difficulty for the firefighters was that their ladders only reached seven floors, and the fire was on the eighth floor. There were nets meant to catch people jumping, but when three girls were jumping at the same time, the net ended up ripping. The fire ended after 18 minutes. 49 workers either burned to death, suffocated by smoke, uh, 36 were found dead in the elevator shaft, and 58 died from jumping to the sidewalks. Two more people died later on from their injuries. In total, 146 people were killed from the fire. This event was so horrific, it led to changes in safety regulations with more efforts. According to Paul F. Cole, the director of the American Labor Studies Center, the fire, quote, awakened a nation to the dangerous and deplorable conditions that many workers face on a daily basis, end quote. The workers of the factory even had to supply their own needles, threads, irons, and their own sewing machines. Women did not have access to a bathroom in the building, and as I mentioned earlier, the doors were locked, so workers would not leave the building and slow down production. The building was filled with highly flammable materials, but later, little care was taken to prevent about fire prevention efforts. According to Richard Greenwald, a historian and dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Fairfield University, so shout out to Fairfield (laughs) University, who is the author of The Triangle Fire, Protocols of Peace, and Industrial Democracy in Progressive Era New York. They, quote, they moved production out of New York City in 1909 to avoid the strike, hired thugs to beat writers, and most likely bribed the police to arrest strikers, end quote. On Saturday, March 25th, the day of the fire, 500 people were working at the Triangle factory. Um, Triangle occupied three floors of the building, which was built 10 years earlier. From court testimony, blame was placed on a blaze that began in a fabric scrap bin on the eighth floor. It most likely started from a discarded cigarette shortly before the factory closed at 4 p.m. The factory had water buckets meant for putting out uh, fires, which was commonly used with garment factories at the time. However, according to one worker, Mary Domsky Abrams, the buckets were actually empty. Quote, on that particular morning, the day of the tragedy, I remarked to my colleagues that the buckets were empty and that if anything were to happen, they would be of no use, end quote. Another worker, Cecilia Walker Friedman, who worked on the ninth floor, remembers getting ready to leave for the day when she looked over at a window and saw flames. Everyone started yelling, but many did not know the next steps to take. Girls were climbing on the sewing machine tables either because they were frightened or they thought it would be easier to get access to the elevators by jumping on the tables. Firefighters found a six-foot-high pile of bodies pushed up against a door at the back stairway. When Cecilia did manage to get to the elevator herself, she watched as the elevator car went down the shaft with the doors still open. Seeing no other options, she wrapped a muff around her hands and jumped into the elevator shaft and grabbed onto the elevator cable. This resulted in a hand 
and a head injury and a burn that would cover the length of her body for the rest of her life. The fire escape actually bent from the weight of all the workers trying to escape the fire. Other workers waited at the windows for help only to watch firefighters with two short ladders unable to reach them. Some were so desperate to escape the fire that they leapt out the window in twos and threes to their deaths. The building itself was not destroyed, and by sunset, police and firemen were pulling bodies out onto the sidewalk. A week after the fire, 350,000 people took part in a massive funeral procession for the victims. The factory owners Isaac Harris and Max Blanc were put on trial for manslaughter. They were found not guilty in December. They eventually paid $75 to each victim's family to settle lawsuits. Harris and Blanc were actually both paid $400 per death by their insurer, so they gave the victim's families basically a fraction of what they actually got from the insurer. Some of the blame on the hazardous working conditions fell on New York City government. At the time, they did not really monitor workplace conditions to make sure if they were safe enough for workers. It is clear they were not prepared for such a large fire. There was no specific city agency responsible for ensuring the safety of the workers. The fire equipment, aka buckets, were outdated, and there were no other regulations on fire safety. It sounds like part of the issue, which didn't seem to matter anyway because most of the exit doors were locked, but it sounds like workers actually weren't trained on how to act in this kind of emergency situation, so they didn't know what to do. From reports of girls jumping on tables trying to escape, it's clear that people did not know what actions they should take in the event of a fire. New York State legislators enacted a law and created the Factory Investigating Commission, a watchdog agency with powers to probe labor conditions throughout the state. Over the following two years, it would look into thousands of workplaces, not only garment factories, but meat packing and chemical plants as well. As a result, over 20 laws were passed which impacted fire safety, building safety, and the state was charged with worker safety. The fire also helped unite organized labor and various reform-minded politicians. This included New York Governor Alfred E. Smith, Senator Robert F. Wagner, and one of the legislative architects of President Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal agenda. In the end, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire convinced the nation that the government should hold a level of responsibility to ensure the safety of workers while they're at the workplace. So, is that it, or are you just pausing for a dramatic effect? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Wow. That's insane. That's So, they lit so they did this on purpose to get insurance money? Well, it, it sounds like they couldn't, they didn't actually prove it, but that's what their theory was because they had, these people had like three of their other factories burned down once or twice in the two years previous. So they, it seemed pretty suspicious. So it seems like that's probably what happened. And apparently they were paid $400 for each person's death, but then gave the victim's families only 75 So they yeah. sound like good people. That's not even like a quarter of what they were given. That's insane. But I mean, I guess it's, it's good because it did help like pass laws for like safety for workers. Yeah. But... It's sad that that had to happen for those laws to be able to be passed. I know. Yeah, and even it sounds like the firemen needed better equipment too. Their ladder could only reach like the floor under the actual fire. <laughs> well, also it happened in 1911. Yeah. We said, yeah, and we didn't have like the best technology back then. It's not like today where we have like better ladders and hoses and they're trained better. It was just buckets of water against flames right which is crazy and i don't get how the people like the owners were allowed to lock the doors at the bottom of the stairwells Mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah it sounds like they almost were preparing to have the fire yeah and just the poor woman that were Mm -hmm. deciding to just jump to their death because they didn't want to be consumed by the flames it's just sad Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, and they had a strike a year earlier, mm-hmm. basically saying that workers needed more rights, and then this happened, so that brought all of that, like, gave it more attention as well, which yeah. I guess helped. I mean, it does, and then it kind of doesn't, because you're always going to have those people that are, like, against change or that are against, mm-hmm. like, standing up for the little people. Mm-hmm. How come you picked that one? Was it just, like, something you've been wanting to do, or...? Um, it was one I knew about before, and then I was just trying to think of a story that was different than mm-hmm. last week's. So yeah. I like trying to change up the kind of crime it is. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I wanted, I know I want to do another one soon, but I feel like I'm going to need more time to do research on it. Yeah. So. No, that's definitely. Yeah, I have to think about the next one I want. Yeah, that's definitely different than like what you usually do. But I don't know. I feel like you always throw a curveball like every week, <laughs> just a little bit different. <laughs> you have to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Oh, I've read to send a picture for the hen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't send you anything either. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I've been so busy that when you texted me earlier and you were like, hey can you do earlier and I was like I haven't even really picked my topic yet but sure. oh really oh. <laughs> yeah I'm used to you having your research and I feel like usually have yours done a day or two before I do I would have I, I forgot just, that moving probably yeah <laughs> I just was like I didn't have time so that's why I was like oh no I have three hours I need to come up with a topic <laughs> oh. and you did it I did I'm guessing I did. <laughs> because we're talking Yes, otherwise I would have been like, can we move this to tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Your or of the week is you didn't have time to do a story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I did. But I did. Yeah. So. But no, that's definitely, because I definitely have heard about it, like your topic before. I'm just trying to remember if I heard about it on like, I probably heard about it on like a true crime show or a history show or something. Yeah. But it does yeah. sound really familiar. Yeah, it, that's the other kind of genre it goes into. Like, it's not just true crime. It's also, like, historical mm-hmm. crime. And so, yeah, it probably is talked about on a lot of those channels, too. Just, like, history-related. I probably saw it on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could also be a topic for law or legal stuff mm-hmm. because it set the precedent for so many like new regulations so it definitely it could be discussed in like with different categories Mm -hmm. and then the whole immigration thing too most of the workers were jewish and italian immigrants so yeah but yeah i didn't see a lot about child labor specifically Mm -hmm. with this for some reason maybe they just ended up i think it said the majority was like teenaged girls i guess so yeah Yeah, but can you imagine, though, like, if you decided not to go to work that that day? Like, if you could go to work that day and then you find out that happened? I know. Yeah, and so the fire started basically right before they were supposed to leave. Like, I wonder why that was. I mean, a fire is about to break out and it's conveniently, like, basically the end of the day. I mean, I know today we we joke about, like, oh, I have to put out, like, fires, but those are just, like, (laughs) metaphors, not, like, actual... Because I'm thinking, like, if these people did intentionally want the fire for the insurance money, then they could have chosen to do that outside of work hours. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be right before. Like, they also, their goal was to kill people. I don't it just know. Seems that, very, that's like, a question I had. But It just seems very, like, calculated. Right. And the fact that that woman, like, noticed that the mm-hmm. buckets weren't full yeah. is another clue that, like, something's not right. Right. It's just, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just a sad, sad story all around. Mm-hmm. And probably one that the same things has happened to like a lot of factories all over the world for the same yep. reason for the insurance money. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Well, that was a good topic. Thanks. Good story.
to hear yours. All right. So mine. So I've actually never heard of this before I found it. I was just kind of picking random states because I knew I wanted to stay in the U.S. this week and just looking at like different folklore throughout the different states. Mm -hmm. And I kept seeing this one for Hawaii. So they're called the Night Marchers. Don't know if you've ever heard of them. Mm, No. So it's pretty much they sound exactly like what they are. Um, So basically, according to Hawaiian legend, night marchers are actually ghosts of ancient warriors that supposedly roam large sections of the whole island chain. Um, So they can be found in Oahu, they can be found in Kauai, they're basically just all over Hawaii. So legend has it that these night marchers essentially follow their leader while marching. Usually they're seen at night. Uh, marching around the islands they basically the locals will basically tell you that if you run into these night marchers and you look at them straight in the eye you will actually be forced to walk among them for eternity however if you have a relative that has been taken by them or that is one of them you'll actually be spared the locals say that if you find yourself in the presence of a night marcher you should there's some debate most agree that you should lie down on your stomach Kind of like in um, kind of like in a child pose. Mm-hmm. If you're into yoga, uh, mm-hmm. face down to avoid the eye contact. Stay quiet. Breathe uh, slowly and don't move. Some say that you actually should take all of your clothes off and just be naked. Lie down in the dirt. Don't move. Don't give them eye contact. Um, in order for them to leave you alone. So they also are more well known to march at darkness after sunset and they usually march i think it's around a certain time of the month um i want to say it's like during the moon cycle like around the new moon when it's really dark for a few days before like the new moon kind of comes around again Mm -hmm. um so if you do happen to find yourself out during that time of the month in hawaii just be wary because they supposedly that's when they're most like active However, they can also be seen occasionally during the day. Let me see. They are only seen during the day if they are escorting a dying relative into the spirit world. So I found the show called Into the Unknown. It's on the Travel Channel. And they did a whole episode on Night Marchers. And I actually was able to watch it. And they were explaining how there's a story of a woman who was on a hike with a group of people during the day the tour guide got a weird feeling or a weird sense because if they're coming, um, you'll hear chanting, there's the sound of a conch shell being blown, there's marching noises, and then you get like a really foul smell, almost like a death-like odor or similar to sulfur. And if you've, that all kind of happens, um, then you know they're coming. So basically the tour guide could kind of tell something was wrong and he led the tour like away from the area because they also just marched through um, straight down their path. You can't really stop them. You can't really block them. If there's a house that's like built in their path, they will walk through the house. So there's no stopping them. So I guess this woman, she thought that they were like they passed by and she looked up um, and she saw the last of the group, like the last one of the group marching. And I guess what he did according to her was his body was facing forward, but his head was turned all the way around and they made eye contact. And I guess according to the person telling the story, once they made eye contact, she hasn't exactly like, according to his words, she hasn't been right in the head. Oh my God. So she's still alive, but mm-hmm. she's a little bit like, she's not all there. So that's kind of one of the questions that the host asked of the show where he was like, what happens if you do accidentally make eye contact? Like, what do they do? And the guy was like, well, this happened to this woman. She made eye contact. She's still around, but she's not all there. So they do something to kind of your psyche, essentially. Mm-hmm. And essentially the reason why they march It's a custom that warriors do to honor the warrior leader. So, for example, like 
a Hawaiian king or a Hawaiian chief, they would do this in order to honor their chief. And sometimes the chief is the one that's leading and sometimes they're not. It depends on which island you're at and which march you're seeing kind of come through. Let's see. I did find one story on Reddit that was interesting. I'll read it, but I don't know if I necessarily believe it because mm-hmm. it seems a little bit far-fetched. So basically, this guy, he's Japanese descendant, but he was in Hawaii with a friend. And I guess his grandfather was an Air Force staff sergeant during the Korean War, who died a decade before he was born and was buried in like a cemetery in Honolulu. So his story is, and I'm just going to kind of read it here. The last time I went to Oahu was with a college friend of mine named Chris. He and I were spending a week there for spring break. He was enjoying the freedom of being on the island without his family and with just being with his friends. They decided to rent a car and they spent the first two days of traveling all through Honolulu. On the third day, they rented a car and they took a road trip to the North Shore and spent most of the afternoon there. By the time they drove back, the sun was setting. As he was driving, since he knew the geography better than his friend did, it seemed that there were no other cars along the Pali Highway that night. And it felt as though darkness was coming kind of closer around the car at first. His friend needed him to pull over so that he could pee. And he was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll pull over. Just make it quick. So they were coming up a drive. He turned off onto the highway. He pulled over and he found a good spot. His friend got out of the car and went into like the wooded area. And he just hung out at the car waiting for him. So he waited for about five minutes. His friend still wasn't back. He waited about another 10. His friend wasn't back and he's yelling for his friend, wondering why it's taking so long. That's when he heard the sound in the distance that it was a very faint sound, but it was definitely growing louder and it sounded like a drumbeat. It was coming from back towards the highway down the road. He saw a line of flickering lights steadily making his way towards him. He felt fear, but he didn't want to leave his friend behind. So he cautiously crept towards the lights staying in the shadows. Um, As the beat of the dreams vibrated through his body, the deep, low sound of a horn pierced the air. He began to notice some details of the procession. The people in the front were carrying long spears and torches. A man was in the center that held a large conch shell, which he blew as he walked by. He decided to duck behind a tree as they grew closer and closer. He noticed that the first row of people were dressed in all capes, like in the capes of the Hawaiian warriors, that their eyes were glowing red and they were flickering. Uh, just like the torches that they were carrying, their bodies and clothes were all ashen white, and they marched in a formation, chanting words that he wasn't able to understand. The men in the row behind him were dressed in army fatigues with rifles over their shoulders. Their eyes were glowing too, and they chanted along with the warriors. On the jacket sleeve of the men closest to him, he saw the insignia of a hand carrying a torch surrounded by a hexagon, and he recognized that symbol. He had seen it in history books. It was the soldiers of the four... 142nd Regiment of World War II, composed of Japanese Americans from Hawaii. The third row contained a mix of the Hawaiian warriors and the army soldiers, except that he saw that there was a chanting figure without a weapon that was dressed in modern clothes, and it was his friend Chris. Hmm. The procession stopped as one, they turned their heads and stared straight at him because he had made a noise and they heard him. So he decided to run. He stumbled back onto the road and sprinted towards his car but he could hear the drum beat still behind him. So he remembered the legends that his parents told me that the night marchers or the ghosts of old warriors are set to wander the island at night. If you don't lie down and close your eyes when they appear, they will make you join their procession. So he had figured that they'd done that to his friend, Chris, and unfortunately they had seen him. So he reached his car, he yanked the keys out of his pocket and he pressed the unlock button. The card stayed silent grabbed the door handle and yanked it over and over. The drumming had reached a frantic pace and the chanting had turned into shouts. He looked back and the night watchers were almost there. The ghosts in the front were brandishing their spears. He closed his eyes and he waited for the inevitable. Suddenly he heard a voice call out that he saying that he is mine. The chanting and the drums stopped and he was able to open his eyes. A single ghost was standing between him and the procession. He wore a plain uniform and a cap on his head. The sleeve of his jacket had a chevron with a star in the middle. And when he saw this, his face for a brief moment, he thought it was his father's. 
The ghost then pointed at him and repeated that he is mine to the procession. The warriors lowered their spears, slowly the drum beat up. The drum beat up started again and the horn sounded. The night marchers turned away from him and continued down the road. The ghost who had spoken slipped back into their ranks and disappeared among the rows. The car finally unlocked with a click. He didn't question his luck. He just threw himself inside and sped past the ghost and he didn't slow down until he was back in Honolulu. He did report that his friend was missing. There's still no official word on what happened to him, although he has a feeling that the police know more than he than they're like than they're saying. Um, unfortunately, his friend's parents don't talk to him anymore, and he really can't fault them because he understands why. At the time, he'd um, forgotten the final part of the Night Marchers legend, which is if they see you, you can only escape as a relative is already marching with them and recognizes you and claims you. So the ghost that supposedly claimed him, he thought to be his grandfather. Um, he doesn't know how his grandfather knew it was him. Perhaps he thought that he was his the kid was his father, or maybe when a family visited his grave, he truly listened to their greetings every year. And then in the morning, he brought flowers to his grandfather's grave as kind of like a thank you. And then basically, once the police told him that he could leave, he flew home and he has not been back since. So I thought that was kind of interesting Mm -hmm. because it does match what the locals say, including the whole, if somebody in your family is already part of the Night Watchers, they claim you and then the night walk marchers just like leave you alone but I also thought if it did happen that I just felt bad for him to have that something like that happen to his friend and either way it sounds like his friend is still missing so Mm. that's kind of hard to deal with to go on vacation with a friend and one of you kind of goes missing but I picked it because again I kept seeing it over and over again and I thought it was really interesting I'd never heard of it before and I'd kind of always wanted to pick something from Hawaii Because I feel like it's a very, like, I don't know, magical, spiritual, like, place. Um, Because they have a ton of folklore and legends. I'm trying to, like, think of if there was something like this in Moana. Because I remember they had, that was, like, one of the themes in the movie was a lot of spiritual, Mm -hmm. ancestral things. Like, yeah, and then being connected to nature seems like a big vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I like that it's from Hawaii. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that it's like on all of the islands of Hawaii. It's not just like, oh, it just happens on like the mainland or like Honolulu or Kauai. So Hmm. just thought it was something a little different. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. (laughs) So thanks so much, guys, for listening to another episode of Oi with a Terror already. As always, we have New episodes on Thursdays, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and more. So, and you can follow and like our posts on Instagram at Oi with a Terror already. If you have any suggestions for stories or want to send us love notes, you can email us at Oi with a Terror already at gmail.com. Yeah, I think that's it. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye.